Hey everybody, the doc here again, as in a clone of Dr. Funkenstein. Glad to see you made it this far into the farthest recesses of Archie Ivy's funkified mind. You know, there's still more giggles and squirms to be had, so stay tuned for some more hardcore jollies as Ivy continues to weave his divine binds about our valiant P-Funk heroes. If you hear any noise, you know it's just us boys laying it all down on truth and rhythm. I had come, like I said, out of UCLA, and with this, after going through, like, I graduated in 68. 68 was a, a, a pivotal year in uh, for humanity uh, with assassinations and riots and and all these things. And, and so, and UCLA was a, a, a hotbed of activity. We had sit-ins. Uh, we had Angela Davis there for a couple semesters as a teacher. I took her class. We had a guy named Donald Kalish, who was a philosophy guy, but he was radical. Were, were, uh, you, there, were you there before Lubell Singer? I was there his last year. Okay. His last year was there. Before he became Kareem. You sound like John Wooden, because he, he had changed his name to Kareem the year I was there, but John Wooden wouldn't call him that. He still called him Lewis, right? Yeah, uh, so I was there for him, and, and I was there for the Walt, Bill Walton era. And Steve Patterson that 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 time, so um, but yeah, so uh, uh, yeah, I was there for some great basketball, uh, but uh, 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 like I said, we had the the murders on campus. We had this guy named, um, well, first Carlos Castaneda was one of the professors, and he dealt with psychotropics, but uh, I can't remember the name of this other professor he had, but he did a marijuana. It was Andrew Wheel. This is about the altered states of consciousness was one of his first books. And he was doing this marijuana study on campus. And I remember I didn't get in because on the, on the, uh, on the, when you filled out the form, they ask you how frequently did you use? And I was using too frequently <laughs> to be considered a subject and the thing. All my, my roommates, everybody I knew, they got into the thing. So they were getting free weed to use and I wasn't. But um, point is, is I was really shaped as a radical and then disillusioned by the failure to come together uh, of uh, the movement. And then I discovered this powerful thing called music, which was a vehicle to spread information and the consciousness. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, even though a lot of songs were based on love, love is the element that is most important. But there were also, especially out of Philly International, consciousness records were being done. Uh, uh, um, uh, OJ's, uh, I mean, just what, what Kenny Gamble was producing. There. All that great stuff, yeah. Yeah, it was great, great stuff. And I, uh, so I would interview these people in the newspaper and found out that they weren't even conscious of what they were doing. <laughs> they were like, they were like not, I won't say clueless, but they weren't impressed. In, in terms of uh, understanding the role they were. They, they, they were weren't playing. all Gil Scott Heron. Yeah, I, I talked to him, yeah. As a matter of fact, um, who became his wife, um, what was her name? She was in, in a couple of classes of mine at UCLA. She married the, the one that was, she was an actress um, who I thought her cousins were prettier than, Brenda Sykes. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Gil Scott was different, but more so than Gil Scott was Alan Douglas. I interviewed Alan Douglas, and Alan Douglas was real, real like connected mentally with the whole thing that I was seeing. Uh, the other one, in a weird way, was Sly. Uh, it, I'm, I'm glad it, you mentioned Sly because before we part, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Sly. Yeah, okay. And, and then the third one that impressed me was George. Okay, I never got to talk to Jimmy. Only got to see him once. Never got to talk to him. But uh, it was... Uh, uh, so these, these were people that were putting conscious thoughts and effort. In. I mean, George was doing stuff like America Eats Is Young. Well, I, felt, I felt like Stevie had a little of that, too. Well, Stevie then. did. Uh, uh, Stevie had a lot of that. Uh, yeah. And you know, I was just recently... I went through a... a reacquaint myself with the the wonder of Stevie Wonder 
uh, I've been listening to his stuff a lot. He is a fantastic, I call it audio perfection. Uh, you know, I, 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 it's not like he was doing anything that radically changed the course of music, but everything he does is sonically perfect. <laughs> okay. And it's it's just like, I mean, and he's such a brilliant writer. And yeah, by the time he got to wonder where I'm coming from and and living in the city, inner visions and all that, when he went, when he turned that corner there, the first one was wonder where I'm coming from. And then all those albums after that went to a whole nother place, right? He's uh, Stevie special. And, you know, out of all the people, I never got to interview him. Uh, I've only interacted with him through projects that he and George had discussed doing that never really came out, came about, but a couple of times it was at his office, but yeah, Stevie's so important. So tell me more about Sly. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I, I'm sworn to secrecy, I can't say that, no. Uh, <laughs> Sly, is, uh, Sly is an amazing guy. Um, I won't say he's misunderstood because he's precocious. And uh, he will, uh, he's, one thing, one time he, he told me, he said, I didn't name me, because, <laughs> you know, his name is Sylvester, and most of the family, around, they call him Syl, but uh, the public calls him Sly, and that's because that name seemed to stick, and so a lot of things he would do and what he got accused of doing uh, was stuff that he actually did, but <laughs> it was, uh, but it was stuff that um, uh, just because he, he said he, he did it, because I asked him once about like, uh, and there was rumors that you would have people uh, uh, switch, uh, they would be over their house and you would have them like switch partners and stuff. And, uh, he said he just had this 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 real funny grin, and he said, "I just wanted to see if they do it. I didn't I didn't make them do it. They did it, right?" And it, but it was that kind of thing. Uh, he had a reputation for not showing up at shows, but most of those shows, people took advantage of the reputation, and they would they would book him just to get the whatever advanced ticket sales they could have, and he would never even know about them. Uh, there were some shows that that he went to and didn't didn't show up, but uh, not like uh, uh, not unlike say Miles Davis, where he would come out and he's not feeling the audience and uh, play for two or three minutes and then walk walk back off the stage. Uh, there were things like that. Of course, uh, there's always a connection with the cocaine use, um, but they want to focus on people like a Sly or a Miles or a George or, uh, 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 and say that that was the thing when everybody was doing it. I mean, we would go to meetings at Casablanca and they would have, uh, I remember the, the vice president, we were in one one meeting and he pulled, he, he pulled, opens his drawer and pulls out a bare aspirin bottle and pours his big pile of cocaine on the, on the desk, right? I mean, that's what it was in those days. So, but but Sly as as a creative individual, uh, he was one of my favorites. Going all the way back to a whole new thing, I had heard about him as being a DJ. I actually had heard him on the radio uh, by going up to San Francisco back in in the in the sixties. Uh, but uh, he just uh, has this charisma that's magical, and. Um, uh, uh, he's very short with words and he says stuff and if you're not paying attention first of all you miss the point of what he's saying but you can also misinterpret the point of what he's saying and he doesn't worry about clearing it up with you um, what else can I say about Sly me and him had a, a, a good situation uh, uh, but because one time uh, he, he was supposed to go out on the road but he was delaying uh, leaving for whatever activity he wanted to continue doing. And he tried to encourage me to join in. And I said, no, man, you got to get to the road. And when I didn't, he had uh, uh, a lot of respect for that uh, with me. 
Um, I remember one time uh, something happened at his house in Bel Air. And this was before I really began to know him. Uh, I had written a couple of stories, so I really knew his brother-in-law, uh, Bubba, was was married to uh, Cynthia. Not Cynthia, but uh, Rose. Rose. It was Rose's husband. And um, so I... I was coming up to the to the club to the courthouse when he was arriving because I wanted to hear what was the, the, the story was. And uh he nodded to the to uh this guy. He had this guy that was like uh he reminded me of uh Cato on the Green Hornet. Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah, it was like a Bruce Lee thing. Uh, and he stepped in like he was about ready to eliminate me. And Bubba ran in there. No, no, no. He's okay. He's okay. He's good. So uh, that's the thing. I did uh, one interview with Sly for the newspaper. And it was right around the time of Fresh. And uh, uh, I remember playing that over and over again, if you want, uh, that album, right? Uh, as I was approaching his house in Bel Air. Love that this right. house that he eventually blew up. <laughs> in the bathroom, like freebasing it. But uh, that, that's public record. I'm not sharing anything that's not known. But uh, when I went in there to do this interview, I arrived there a little, like 15 minutes ahead of time. They invited me in and sit me in the room with a pool table, right? And said, Sly, I'll be with you in a minute. And I was there for, I think, about four hours. And nobody came and dealt with me. Wow. But it was music piped into there, and it was thank you for letting me be myself. Not the one that, uh, uh, the original one, but uh, not the one that was on Riot, but he had a tape, and I, I might be exaggerating, to me it seemed like four hours of versions of thank you, <laughs> okay? Uh, 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 and that was a, quite an interesting thing. We did a brief interview, and I never could formulate it into an article. So I just wrote an opening, and then it was just like uh, Esquire style uh, questions and his answers. Because his answers was, you know, like, I'm not going to phrase this for you. You guys should just read it and grasp what's being said. Like um, streams of consciousness. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what he was. He's he 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 was very he's very is very creative guy. Uh, he's uh, uh, he's had some situations. Uh, again, it's not easy being at the forefront of Star because it was Sly and the Family Stone, uh, and uh, because of that, the other people around you have a little bit of jealousy or something, I guess. And they want to be known. They want the light to shine on them as well. And uh, so uh, uh, ended up uh, him doing the tracks himself and Larry Graham not appreciating or Freddie. And everybody started to fracture and the group split up. And then uh, everybody came back together with the exception of Larry. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know what to say about Sly. There were a lot of incidents and episodes of things about him, except for he's a creative genius. There's no doubt in that. Um, he's, uh, but he is, uh, uh, he, he is precocious. That's all I can say. Uh, he, 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 he <laughs> I think he always has a comedy going on in his head about when he's interacting with people. Why, so, why, do, you, why do you think he and George got along so well? Well, because uh, besides the, have, besides getting high, what else and the music? Yeah, but, but it's mutual admiration society. It, it's like uh, George has always been a big fan of his, and he grew to be a fan of George's. Uh, there was uh, uh, George tells the story of um, uh, going to Madison Square Garden to try to get in to see see Sly, and even though they had the same manager at the time, David Caprolet. Uh, George was with him for a brief moment because he was supposed to actually he, he thought he was going to get a deal with Stoneflower Records, Sky Sly's label at the time and um, so uh, uh, but he couldn't get in, they wouldn't, Sly wouldn't approve him to get in 
And uh, years later, when Sly came to start, when we George was on a mission to bring him out of hiding and to get his confidence back of being on the stage. And one of the things, while he was staying up at George's farm, uh, we were watching Woodstock. And Sly walks by. And then he leaned, he walks by, you know, the opening in the room where the TV room was. And he walks by in the hallway. And then he backs up and looks at it. And he just does like this. And, uh, and then kept going. And so we asked him, and he said, no, man, I've never watched that. That was... That was like uh, goosebumps. <laughs> okay, so we finally got him to sit down and watch it. But he, um, the impact of uh, all of that energy—you know, half a million people—that's that's a million eyes centered on you. Uh, it, it's got to be in, an intensity that's uh, only people who have been in that space can probably feel. Um, I know I can feel when the person's in the car next to me looking at me, and all of a sudden you turn around, and you see they're staring at you. It, well, it's something Nate. Huh? Not too different than the LA Coliseum and the Funk Fest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, uh, but yeah, about five times as many people though. But uh, the, the the thing about it is that he uh, was not going. He didn't want to go back out on the stage, and George uh, promised him that he would be comfortable. And, in doing that, and he was concerned about the band, and uh, would they like allow him to lead them and stuff, and and uh, uh, they would, uh, and it was like, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't let him come out there, and if he was not going to play up at their level, I remember this was the skeet was uh, uh, the bass player then, and uh, he just looked at him and said, well, yeah, we'll play your stuff, but you better play it up to the level of how we're doing it. And, uh, so he was he, the first night he was kind of shaky, but then he got into it. By the third or fourth night, he was really, really feeling it. And, um, <laughs> and then DC, and that was funny uh, because we in going to the next city. Uh, well, I, I, before I jump into that story, I was going to say that Sly eventually watched Woodstock with us in out of Georgia's farm. And, uh, you know, George was like encouraging him to, you know, to, to that, that it's okay to get that feeling again. So he was, he, he really, you know, he tried to do it with the other people, but it's not the same as doing it with your family. And that he had grown up with playing. And when he, when he got like Rusty, whatever his name was, was a bass player, and he had a couple of, of uh, 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 configurations to the family stone. It just didn't really like do it for him. Um, but so now the, we encourage him to come back out. So after he does it in DC and he comes out and he does this incredible like 15 minutes, right? The, the whole place was lit up. Everybody saying the band was, was playing the stuff, you know, impeccably as P Funk does. And um, so the next morning, we're all at the airport going on a plane. And this <laughs> paraplegic uh, young lady who's in a wheelchair, right? And this, I'm going to have to use language here that I really don't use anymore. But um, so she comes up and she's like, you know, struggling to talk. And she says, Sly Stone, uh, I was at the show last night and you were great. And Sly... He always keeps this distance apart from people, but he let his guard down. He just lost it. And he leaned in. He had this big grin, and he's got a wonderful smile. You can't help it. Like he smiled and, and leaned in to give her a hug, right? And the girl says, "About time you got your shit together." <laughs> and then he immediately jumps back into character, and he says. Screw you, you wheel knee bitch. <laughs> you can know, imagine there was a bunch of us and we went in every direction because, you know, nobody wanted to laugh at that. But it was a funny scene. But um, <laughs> so he, he uh, uh, that's the guy he is. He, he's, uh, he's protective of who he is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, great story. 
I want to ask yeah. you two more questions, and I'm going to release you. Okay. <laughs> um, one, Archie, is, you know, there have been some sort of tabloid-esque uh, things done on, on the funk mob uh, in recent times, and I wanted to know if you were willing to voice an opinion on that or not related to you're talking about you know, things with money and stuff like that before. Um, have you seen any of those things? And what do you want to comment how much truth there is to any of that? Yeah, I saw drugs. There's been, uh, I, there was never uh, anything that George did um, uh, unscrupulously in terms of keeping money from people. Uh, if you, I know that uh, there are those that claim that George never paid them properly uh, for their royalties. Um, and one of them is very uh, vocal and public and uh, uncommonly bitter in that belief. I know who you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it, it, it's really strange because George actually tracked down the guy who was stealing their money in the course of we uncovered his name in the course of the royalties and through our our uh, discovery things at bmi and the different royalty places and found that bernie's account had oops i mentioned the name found that the account had been uh switched to this guy and uh, uh george brought that name forth and uh, there was never any appreciation, nor did it change uh, the animosity that's there. And I, I think that's unfortunate. Uh, I think the, uh, the 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 real root was not any of that those kind of um, mishandlings of funds, as uh, much as the fact that his notoriety and appreciation never reached the same as George's. And uh, uh, except amongst those who know, I mean, people that know, know uh, uh, how great he is, but to the general public, his name is not, uh, uh, doesn't have that same ring to it. And uh, unfortunately in his having passed, uh, it hasn't, uh, uh, it, 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 it would only, he won't be able to uh, 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 get the joy and the feeling of the love that people have for the music that he created. Um, a lot of, of that stuff, and I have to, uh, but the source of it is from the same place that George is dealing with even in court today. Uh, uh, the person who had, in my opinion, swindled uh, George's publishing from him and since I use that term, I can't identify him by name, but anybody who do the digging, they can, they'll know who he is. Uh, uh, he even admitted that the papers that he used in court, uh, he cut and paste them to, um, to, to uh, uh, convey a transfer that was never George's intent. Uh, and I have a YouTube, uh, a clip of that, that I created a YouTube picture and put it on YouTube, uh, a YouTube channel and put it up there. I don't, I'm not into posting and social media and stuff, but that is up there. But the point is, uh, he would tell people that he gave George their money and he was not giving George any money. And so people would come th and, and have an attitude with George thinking that he had been receiving money that was due them. And this was the guys, this was just a tactic he would use. He would tell them that he's given George all of their money, but I'll give you, I'll take care of this need. I'll give you $5,000 now that'll keep you from losing your house or I'll help you get this car. Or he would do stuff that would, um, appease the immediate need. Now, in, in his defense, uh, he's an old school publisher, and that's how they used to operate in the day. Uh, Are uh, you talking about the person that uh, goes back to Westbound, or is this later? Yes. Okay. <laughs> We're in the middle of a court case, and the court case is based upon slander and defamation 
on things that were said in George's book. And that's why I'm speaking so uh, cryptically about it, because I don't want to say anything that's going to uh, 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 jeopardize that. Uh, but in our opinion, there's nothing that that book says in George's biography that is not accurate or is at least not what we don't believe to be true, uh, which is one of the thresholds. At the time you make a statement, it can be erroneous and, and it can be damaging, but it, it, it's not really uh, 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 slanderous unless you know it to be false. Uh, there's I some think, malice in there. You're right. There's malice in there, and it, that that was that's not present. Just a recounting of events from a perspective. But this guy, he comes from the old school of publishers, uh, uh, Marv Levy uh, 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 at Chess Records, and old publishers that that was the thing. They invest. They bought songs. Songs made money. Instead of paying you what your percentage royalties were accurately, they would buy you a Cadillac. That's the traditional story. Keep they you quiet. Just, keep you quiet and let you leave there with a smile. And then they kept still keeping your money. Um, so uh, uh, th those are, I don't know what other tabloid things uh, you might be uh, uh, referring to. There was drugs. No question. There was drug use. Um, to the extent that it was harmful or detrimental or even um, expensive to the point of, of having that real economic impact. <laughs> because, yes, there was a lot of money spent on it, but George never bought Cadillacs or gold chains or a bunch of fancy suits. All these, this clothing and stuff that he, he's wearing now this is after he's been clean, <laughs> but he's never been once for lavish one for a lavish lifestyle. Like I said that um, he now he he understands a good life, but he can ride in an Uber just as easily as he can call for a limo. You know what I'm saying? His extravagance uh, seemed to be fishing trips. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, okay. he is going to do this. As a matter of fact, <laughs> the, the the entire almost the entire band between him and the uh, a lot of uh, 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 Miss Velvet uh, uh, and Blue Wolf group that's been touring with us, a lot of their members, he, he, he chartered this big fishing boat and they're off the shores of Hawaii uh, on, a, on a major fishing trip today. It's, but it's not just him, it's, it, he takes other people with him for the most part. I just went fishing with him a couple weeks ago. I went in 82 or 3, I went out on a boat trip with Bootsy and his manager at that time, George Cachadorian. Dorian, yeah, Catch, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we didn't do any fishing. We just hung out. But, yeah, it was a, it was a boat ride. Um, all right. So I also want to ask you about uh, the big celebration coming up. You know, how overdue is this Lifetime Grammy thing? And, uh, you know, what's, what's happening? You're behind the scenes a little bit? Well... Um, first of all, we're kind of in shock because the Grammy committee and the trustees did this without involving management. And so, yes, it's overdue, but instead of acknowledging George, they want to do George and Parliament Funkadelic because they see Parliament Funkadelic has been continually touring. Now, in their research, they found that it had been a number of people involved. And instead of A, contacting management, or instead of uh, 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 digging a little deeper as to who has put the time in to make it a lifetime achievement, they just used the list of names that was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that list was erroneous <laughs> for the time when they put them in there. They left out some key players. Okay. And many uh, aren't with us anymore, too. Huh, I'm sorry? And many are not with us anymore, also. And many, many are not with us. So uh, that's basically the people that they want to acknowledge for this. And so when we found out that, and part of the problem was they called George and told him instead of calling us. 
because they they contacted George and told him, and he focused on he was winning it. And it wasn't until we saw the press release that we realized it was for the group. And so then we called him and said, well, who are you doing this for? And there's guys like Benny Cowan and Greg Thomas, Blackbird McKnight, Lodge Curry, uh, Frank Waddy, Mudbone. Uh, uh, these people have actually put their lifetime in clip pain. These people actually have put their lifetime into, uh, dedicated their lifetimes to this thing, this thing of Parma Funkadelic. And if anybody is deserving, yeah, uh, 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 these other people, they had an impact and an influence, but so they they just do it based upon at the hottest time, who was it there? I'm telling you, the greatest person is Jerome Braley gets all this recognition. And not to say that he's not worthy of being in the Rock and Roll he's Hall on, of Fame. He's only there for a hot minute. But he's only there for a hot minute. And the main reason why he gets all the love is because uh, when George, uh, we were in New York, and George heard David Bowie's fame come on the radio, right? And we were headed to the studio. And George was listening to it, and he was grooving. He told Jerome, he said, man, listen to this drum pattern. That's what we're going to record tonight. So Jerome memorized what the, the drum was doing. Of course, they did the accents and put the ones in it. And that became uh, the drum uh, feel for uh, Tear the Roof Off, Give Up the Funk. And, and George, not being like a Sly or a James Brown, George always would give people credit. And, and give them splits and percentages. So Jerome has received sample money. He's done all this stuff for uh, his his part in creating that, that song. And uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. But these other people that, that put in 25 years and more, some as many as 40, um, they're not being recognized. So we've been able... To the Grammys had already decided they already had ordered those 16 or so trophies, um, but we're still lobbying them to uh, honor the other people. So far, we're up to, well, they'll give them a certificate of their participation. Uh, uh, and, and there is a place you have to draw the line somewhere because uh, you can't just, it's a rabbit hole. If you start trying, they told us, well, you get you can give us a list, but uh, we're not giving out, we're not putting out 400, uh, uh, what was it, 40 of them or 400. I forget the number they use. Before you know it, Ted Ted Courier would be getting one. Ted Courier <laughs> would be getting one, right. <laughs> Funny, yeah. But uh, uh, so uh, uh, we're happy. Uh, uh, they're, they're, it, it, it's long overdue. Um, there was a brief mention of it at the, the Grammy Award show that everybody watches. Uh, but um, I I missed it. I don't know if, what I was doing, but I missed it when they 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 mentioned it on that. I was told they mentioned it, but then again, now I think about it. They were people who said it was mentioned were people who were in, uh, uh, who were there at the actual uh, uh, Grammys, and, and so I don't know anybody that, that saw it. I think one person told me they heard it on TV too. So, I I, but, I hear I hear it's May eleventh. This, uh, what we're doing right now is probably going to air after May 11th, but yeah. I hear it's going to be probably televised later. It's going to be televised. The recording is May 11th, but we don't know what date is going to be uh, uh, aired. Uh, we also don't know how big a slot because there's a number of people that are, are being uh, uh, recognized. Uh, in now, the in the case of like Ozzy, that's just Ozzy, not Black Sabbath, right? Right, yeah. I, I think so, yeah. Uh, well, they, it was different. They, they, uh, different power structure there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, they, uh, uh, they knew who to call to get his clearance. Probably Sharon. Uh, but uh, 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 with with ours, it's always a question. I remember they, um, people found out about it. And they started even Tom Vickers. He told them he he submitted a list to them, telling them who. Uh, he thought the people should be that they awarded. So it just came. So they started getting phone calls from people, and it was a nightmare. And when, when they told us, we told them, like, you guys are just open a can of worms. And it's not because 
of uh, any lack of appreciation for anybody because I think George is intending in his acceptance to acknowledge all the people, mostly those that are not here anymore, that uh, it, 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 they don't even get a chance to know how appreciated the world is, appreciative the world is for what they've done. The past eight years, ever since Gary, it's been brutal, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Belita, Jessica, Boogie, I mean, Bernie, yeah. can't talk about it, man. And, uh, you know, uh, what's his name, Razor? Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been, but we're of that age. I just have to uh, understand, appreciate that I'm blessed to still be around. <laughs> Amen. So I, I have uh, this here, which I'll hold up, which was the latest. Um, of course, <laughs> this is the import version, but um, George is uh, supposedly he's going to stop doing these shows. He's been going on longer than I expected once he said he was stopping, but not going to complain about that. You know, but what I really happened is we had a cutoff date and then found out that the venues that we wanted when, when, when his originally announcement, he was supposed to be done in May or so. Well, that's the start of the season for uh, most of the uh, theaters and especially the amphitheaters, uh, which we're trying to book a, a quite a few of those. So uh, 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 we had to alter that schedule and and uh, uh, and then we, we couldn't fit Europe in. So we might even have a later thing if we're able to get them in at all. Uh, uh, but yeah, it, it's going to come this year. It's... Um, and hopefully we've only we've only started a couple places have actually uh, are asking us can we come back again to repeat it so uh, that's why we're not billing it as his last performance but as his uh, as the final tour so the tour might be extended and and see how long he can he can go uh, uh, and keep that ideal in place but um, he'll be yeah. 78 July right. 78, yeah, yeah. I'll be 68 in May next month, and we're 10 years apart. He was born 41, I was born 51. I'm, but, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm 58, 61. <laughs> oh, wow, okay, yeah, we're right there, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> so, the uh, but the, the uh, uh, <laughs> that's that's unique. The uh, um, recording is going to be his main attention. Uh, the, there's some other people that have been trying to get him to work in the studio with him. I don't want to say anything as to who they are, but they're familiar people. And um, and then he's trying to uh, get the projects off of, uh, you know, the, the, the new generation, the, the sons and daughters of sons and daughters <laughs> of the P-Funk. And, and, you know, it, it, it's really amazing that um, the the core people, the ones I named before, Lodge and and, and uh, Blackbird. Uh, Blackbird and all of those guys, for them to uh, still uh, for, uh, allow for these young generation to be out there at the forefront takes a certain level of professional character. Uh, it, it, and the, the, they can very easily be jealous or they can very easily demand uh, that the public knows them. But I think uh, uh, it, it, theirs is coming, and that's on us to find that way and to provoke uh, the uh, uh, attention of people, to provoke the awareness, to have them uh, come forward and let people really appreciate we haven't found that magic wand yet or that that light unto that path, but I know it's there. And um, because and it probably won't be noticeable until George actually leaves the stage and they find out, well, wait a minute, the experience hasn't missed a beat. <laughs> because what George will be the first to tell you, what he's, when they start doing interviews with him, what he said, like, I'm retiring, but the band is playing on because the real star of this whole thing is the music. It's not uh, personality driven, but is driven by the energy and the creative, uh, the creativity 
that's in those, those musical creations and the love and the talent of those people that play it day in and day out, night after night. Somebody's going to have to step up, though, whether it's, I don't know, Garrett or somebody's going to have to step up a little bit more when that void's there. Yeah, well, people people uh, are going to have to, and, and Joy says it should be a reality show. <laughs> it's like, who's going to lead the funk, right? Uh, uh, that, uh, 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 which is is insane and brilliant at the same time. <laughs> right? It's an insane notion and a brilliant notion at the same time. But uh, yeah, uh, 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 Trafiel thinks it's his birthright. Uh, Trafiel is George's grandson that uh, is is Tracy, George's son's son. Uh, he feels that uh, it, it, it should be uh, given to him. He's the heir apparent. Um, I personally think that uh, Clip would do the best job as being the MC, but he's always been in the shadows. I don't know if he'd want to step forward and or if he'd want to step forward as the head of somebody else's thing because he does his own projects and his own projects are great. Uh, uh, 420 FM, 425 mile. Uh, drugs. Drugs, yeah. He's done some, he does some great, great studio work and great shows. Okay, so I can understand that if he chooses to to not want to go in that direction, but I think it's it's a disservice uh, uh, to themselves if they don't hang together, because if they hang together, then the marketplace they can still have jobs. I think if they split up, their ability to work is not going to be quite the same as as they, them being a unit out there. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's funny. I had, um, was it Lige? Yeah, I think it was Lige I had on. Like a week before George announced that he was going to be stepping down. And, really? I, and I asked him, I had Danny on too, uh, longer before that. But I asked them both, you know, when George hangs it up, did they think it would continue? And they were not sure. You know, they didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I know they probably think that they don't know what the, the plan is. They're looking for a plan. And uh, uh, my plan, if I'm allowed to be a part of it, my suggestion is that they do stay together. It'll be a step down. They'll, they'll have to prove themselves in the marketplace. But I have no doubt that fans of the music will show up. So they might have to step down and do the smaller club circuits. You know, Tipitinas and that 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 routine where they're getting eight hundred to a thousand people a night. But I think if you go into those clubs, uh, uh, they'll be able to prove their ability to draw, and then it'll it'll grow again. So I I, I do believe that because it, it it'd be unfortunate for George to retire and then these people find themselves without work and income. Uh, there was a, a while ago when there was some grumblings. Oh, we were in Europe and there was grumblings about, uh, they were complaining about this and complaining about that. And Benny Cowan was sitting across from me on the bus and they were they were just like letting me have it about all the things that was wrong with P-Funk. <laughs> and Benny leans over to me and he says, hey, Arch, don't pay no attention to these guys. We work more than any musicians we know. <laughs> he says, we're not going nowhere. <laughs> and uh, uh, but but I understand what they're talking about. There's certain things that after a while you just have to. It gets comfortable, and they were, you know, like for they went through a minute a minute where to make the ends meet with all the people out there. Uh, they had to ride around in vans because the money wasn't there for us to, you know, not small vans, but those uh, sprinter vans. Uh, they were riding those, and it was still was a bit uncomfortable to where, you know, we said, hey, we can't put these people through that. We have to uh, go back to getting touring buses. And, um, it cost a little more, but it was, it was better in the long run for everybody. So, Well, I especially love when they go back and retool and dig back into that incredible catalog. The catalog is so deep and rich. You can go back and grab a gem, a great forgotten one from here from there I'm and so when george steps down i think they really ought to explore that too and bring some fresh 
tracks, they'll be fresh because we haven't heard a lot of them in a while on stage, you know? Right there, you and I are on the exact same page. And I think that is with the, 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 the thing that's going to be for the real fans. And they come and they hear songs that they know about and that they love, but they never get to hear them on stage. And that was, I mean, it was, it, 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 it could grow then into something completely new and fresh to where people will do like they do fish. They'll be texting other people about, hey, man, this is what they played tonight. And stuff. Or, or the dead, yeah. Or the dead, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's the zone that I think they're capable of reaching. Definitely the musicianship is there. You know, you brought up Danny. Uh, Danny is a very interesting story. I guess you talked to him, you know his story. But he has uh, he's he's really a student uh, and, and an incredible musician and has a real appreciation for uh, the music and the style and the what he's doing. Danny's no joke. <laughs> okay. He's uh, he, he's definitely and he's George uses him a lot on uh, the new recordings that he's doing now. Yeah, well, I I tell you, Archie, um, so appreciate all this time. I could talk to you forever, man, and and I hope that we will continue the conversation in the not too distant future. But um, I think we need to wrap this one up. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize it's already what we've been doing this two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, flies, man, flies. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned. I'm sorry, I can just go on and on and on, but I can go on and on and on because I love. You mentioned during the conversation, I think at some point you mentioned about um, like a religious experience, and for me, for my life, funk and especially the P funk have been religion. So, you know, on behalf of so many people that share my love and enthusiasm for it, thank you for the role that you've played all these years in helping bring it to the people. Yeah, all thanks and praises due to a higher force that allowed me to be in that position at that time. Uh, uh, I I didn't bring anything, well, other than whatever uniqueness that my being has, uh, I don't think it's anything special, but it was an honor and a blessing, especially um, because so many people have been touched by this thing. We were, I see, I can tell another quick story, man. I'm sorry, I can go on forever, so I'll keep it short. But uh, we were, uh, when we were doing the touring of the uh, mothership, the uh, NASA found that as an opportunity to help promote the space program. So they sent out a PR guy from, uh, now we think this was, we don't know if it was like the NSA watching us. People could go conspiratorial. But, and so they took us to places like we went to NORAD, right? Which was the, the mountain, like in the movie. Um, Close War Encounters. Games. No, War Games. War Games. The, War Games, that, where the, 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 the thing is, it's supposed to the big thing is in Colorado. Uh, we went in there and we went to visit all these facilities. But we were at one stop and there was this astronaut. And I don't know his name. I didn't get to uh, uh, to do it. And it was this black guy, right? Uh, it was an astronaut. I wonder if it was a guy who blew up. Mm. But that, that's an aside. But there was this group of people around him. And he looked and saw George coming into the building. And he disengaged just walked away from these people and came up to George and started telling him what he had meant to his life and how he had changed his life and what his music has changed. And uh, there's so many of those encounters. That is the thing that uh, uh, you can't take away from me. I might not have money. I might not have anything else of those uh, uh, to, or, or even the gold records on the wall. But I've had that experience of knowing that in my time, I've actually had a part of something that has affected the lives of many others. And everybody can't say that. That's truly a blessing. So as thankful as you and those that you represent, I'm as equally, if not more thankful for all of those, all of you. Well said, well said. Hey, back with you from Truth and Rhythm Headquarters. How deep is P-Funk's legacy? so deep 
that nearly four hours with one of George Clinton's closest confidants is still somehow not enough. Well, I hope you enjoyed that uncut funk with Mr. Archie Ivy. Long live the P. My gratitude and thanks once again out to Archie Ivy. And also, as always, a big thanks to you, the viewer and the listener, for your continued interest and support. Speaking of which, subscribe. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the Funky Stuff channel on YouTube. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives. You'll get advanced looks at the show, and you'll be privy to everything going on, Truth and Rhythm, including uh, Truth and Rhythm quick takes and lots of goodies. So sign up, tell a friend, tell family, show these funk, R&B, and jazz artists that you love what they've brought to you, the art that they've given to all of us, how they've lifted our spirits and made life so much more uh, fulfilling and worth living. Yeah. So Truth and Rhythm's all about, baby. Be sure to look out for upcoming episodes of Truth and Rhythm and catch up with previous installments at FunkyStuff.net on YouTube, iTunes, and other leading providers. So write me. Write to Scott G at FunkyStuff.net. Let me know who else you'd like to see on the show. Just shoot me a note to talk some music. I love doing that. I promise you will hear back from me. Let's get that dialogue flowing. Keep it going. This is your show. So engage and interact. I want to hear from you. And with that, as always, this is Scott Dr. Jigs, Goldfine saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.